Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. T minus 37 seconds. Fight with growing e equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. Ignition sequence. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. And welcome to Finding Your Frequency. I am Jeff Spinard. I'm your host. I'm the CEO and president of World Talk Radio, home to the Voice America Talk Radio and TV networks. Joining me, my special co-host, TV program director, Mr. John Missile. John, back on the show. Always fun to be here, Jeff. Always fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh, we're coming off uh, a little technical difficulties from last week. Uh, we had a, uh, a flood that came pouring through the engineer room, and we had to pull all of the equipment out. It was a, it was a nightmare. Oh, it was, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Our hallway lined with... Uh, Mixing boards and computers, yep. and uh, yep. But uh, but the staff did a great job getting it back together. Let me tell you something. I get a call at like five thirty at home saying, "Listen, you got to get to the office. None of us are close enough to assess the damage and see what's going on over there because everybody was freaking out." So when I got here, there were seven get seven people here. Uh, my network director with her shoes off, you know, running around barefoot, and a bunch of other uh, people, and they're pulling. All the equipment out of the, the room because it just flooded out. So great job. Kudos for them even being here uh, at that hour. Normally, we're pretty much empty. Uh, but, you know, great, great job. Uh, by Saturday, uh, you know, we were back up and running, uh, pieced uh, a couple of things together. But for the most part, we are at 99.9% uh, healed. So great job to the Voice America crew. And that one Band-Aid for the other 1% when we get there. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I'll give, uh, I'll give uh, kudos to Ryan, my co-host, who is not with us today. Uh, he did, of course, you know, ma uh, project manage the whole process of getting us back together. And, of course, hands-on. And a special thanks to Aaron, too, who spent all day, you know, with uh, the air guns and pulling all equipment apart. Uh, it was just a uh, collaborated effort that we got back and healthy real quick. So, awesome. And, and a small thank you to living in Arizona with the sun gods helping us dry out. Uh. <laughs> yeah, right, right. The sun gods who also bring the monsoons. All right. Well, last week uh, or the last show, uh, we had Mr. Evan Disney on uh, and Kaya Redford. Evan was the magician, which, John, I know you have a special love for magic. Always, always. Spent a lot of years doing that myself and still play around a little bit. Uh, it's always great to have those, those kind of people on Absolutely. the show. They, they're just, in, and especially, they're so talented nowadays. Yeah. And, you know, he's got a, it's a great story. Uh, he came out from, I don't know, it was Kentucky or one of those uh, states uh, mid-somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but he moved to L.A. so that he could pursue his magic career and, you know, turn that into something where now he's in the speaking circuit as well. So he's using his magic and using it as 
uh, doing something good for humanity. So, you know, God bless uh, Evan Disney and uh, wish him much success. Kaya Redford uh, was our other guest who is a serial entrepreneur, uh, and he's also on the speaking circuit, uh, helping people with business, just, you know, how to build, how to promote, how to create, uh, and adding to business. So, you know, a lot of good. If if you guys missed the show uh, last week, not last Friday, the Friday before that, go to uh, Finding Your Frequency host page, go to Finding Your Frequency net, you can... Fine. You can listen to any show we've ever done. So, uh, but Kaya was a great uh, interview as well. Oh yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's quite a difference in my mind about serial entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and regular entrepreneurs. And when when I say that, somebody that's an entrepreneur and they keep in one business only, right, right. a serial entrepreneur that has so much energy. You know what they say: if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Whereas somebody mm-hmm. juggling five, six different projects at the same time and making them all successful. It's yep. Awesome. Yep. Yep. So kudos to uh, to Kaya. And that will uh, lead me into a new product, okay? This is something that I am getting involved with, so you guys can see this. Uh, This is the Hilo. Uh, uh, It's a technology, yes, it's it's an accessory, an accessory that uh, tells you uh, your body temperature. It, uh, let me see, what do we got? We have breath rate, mood, energy, steps, uh, sleep, uh, it's got a, a guardian system, uh, remote uh, uh, monitoring, SOS function, uh, and there's a lot of plugins, and the technology is only getting better. There's two things that uh, will always always uh, enhance and, and be a success, which is technology and health. Okay, mm-hmm. and When you merge the two together, um, it's something that uh, you guys will learn much more about this. Uh, I just got this this yesterday. So once I have everything usable and learn more about the functionality, uh, we'll be bringing it to you. So uh, you know, pay attention for that uh, to come. John? Well, and I was just going to say the nice thing about it is when you combine uh, technology and you combine health, all you do is help humanity and make it even better. Absolutely. And give people longer life uh, lifespans. But yeah. why we're doing product placement things today, I'd like whoa, to whoa, do whoa, this. Whoa, 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 to slow down, slow down. Uh, <laughs> you know, as far as fut- the future of this, I mean, the, it's a great product, but the, the key and what I liked about it was not only the functionality, because I've got diabetes, I have to watch certain things on my own, but... Uh, you can get a family pack. Like for example, my mother is 68 years old. Uh, you know, it, if she, I got her one of these, and I got two more, one for both for both my brothers. Um, we can all be on the app and find out and look at how we all are doing. And nice. if if my mother falls down, or heck, if I fall down and nobody's around, I can hit my security button, and it will alert everybody in my circle. Nice. Yeah. So uh, that's, you know, moving forward. So, again, you'll learn more about this product as we go along. So, John, back to product placement. <laughs> now, wait a minute. you got to add one more thing about that. No, tell me. It's got it's comfortable to put on it. It's not a bulky, like, you oh, know, a $9,000 watch. It's beautiful. Okay. Now we'll go to my product placement. This is, this is for 
years and years and decades of drinking Coca-Cola, okay? And I just wanted to shout out to Coca-Cola here. Thank you so much (laughs) for rotting my stomach out. They needed your plug. Yeah, they needed that from me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Without further ado, let's bring in our first guest who happens to be sitting with us, uh, Mr. Kevin Gassman. Kevin Gassman started off, uh, started off his extraordinary rise in broadcasting at ESPN 860 and KTAR. Mr. Gassman moved on to stations like News Talk 1010, Mornings on All Comedy Radio 1480, KWSS 93.9 FM, uh, FX 99.1 FM, Alternative Rock. Mr. Gassman has nearly two decades as a technical director, producer, show host, and the future of broadcasting as we know it. Oh, that's nice to have, buddy. Uh, hosted hockey shows, comedy sports shows, and morning shows. Mr. Gassman performs stand-up comedy and regularly performs on stage since 2008. You've probably seen him at venues like the Tempe Improv and Stand Up Live in downtown Phoenix. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Mr. Kevin Gassman. <sighs> <laughs> I want to meet him too, man. <laughs> he yeah, seems pretty cool. That's fantastic. You know? What's up? How you doing? Doing excellent. Uh, b- before we get started, John, I had no idea you did magic, but that does explain the ponytail. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Many years. He's got, got the look of a magician. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> Can you disappear? <laughs> yes, right now. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Well, if you're gone, right. <laughs> All right. So uh, going, well, actually, you know what? First off, what I want to know, uh, Kevin, I've known you for a few years now. Uh, you've worked with the company for a few years. But let's go back in history a little bit. Uh, yeah. Talk to us about, you know, how you came into your your uh, radio career. And now we're talking about a radio show. We'll get into that after. But tell us about your, career, your journey. Yeah, right on. Um, well, I grew up in Southern California in Los Angeles area, Northridge to be exact. Became famous due to the earthquake in 94. <laughs> I missed it by a week, by the way. Did you? Nice, <laughs> I did. Nice. By one week, I missed it. And I just grew up listening to radio. It was just one of those things, you know, it was the early 80s and you're, even the late 70s. You know, there was, you know, you're, in LA, you're, you're dealing with the best of the best. Right. I mean, this is what you're, you have to, you're growing up with. So it was Frazier Smith, it was Mark and Brian in the morning, uh, you know, um, who's the, uh, Thomas, the guy that was in, he was a morning guy on Power, and I, uh, Power Radio there, he also did on Cheers, he's an actor as well, okay. uh, I forgot his name anyway, but uh, he was, he was uh, anyway, a famous actor, huh? he was Carla's <laughs> husband or something like that, yeah, I don't know, whatever, but anyway, he was a morning guy, big name, big, 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 you know, radio was a big thing back then. Sure. I think it's definitely lost a lot of its, you know, oomph lately, but that's another story. However, growing up there, you just listened to it, and that's what it was. But I didn't want to be on the radio, per se. Right. I just liked it. Every Sunday night, I listened to KLOS. It was Bob Coburn, BC. Mm-hmm. I believe he passed away a little uh, recently. And, you know, I just really dug his demeanor. You know, I really right. li- when I listened to it, it just wasn't really what he was talking about. It was how he was talking. Sure, it was just sure. re- really laid back. It was really cool. Took his time. And that left an impression on me. Sure. But then sure. on the other end, I'm listening to Dr. Demento every Sunday night, you know. <laughs> right, and that was right. a big, big influence on me. Sure. All that stuff was. So as I was growing up, you know, that was always in the back of my mind of listening to radio. And like, that'd be kind of fun to do it. But never really thought about it. Right. I grew up going to, you know, learning golf. I had a best friend of mine 
who we just golfed like three or four times a week. Right. And I never would have thought that. Yeah, no, nobody really yeah, does. Um, he's he's actually a, a pro golfer. He's a, an assistant to the head pro at a few go- at a golf course out in, a, I think, New Orleans right now. He was in Chicago for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're assistant to the head pro at, the, at a private course. I mean, this guy has really made a name for himself sure. up there, which is great. Played in a PGA Tour. This is my friend. And we were going to go to college together. We were going to go to New Mexico State University. And we were going to learn professional golf management, the PGM nice. program. Only three schools offered that. One was in Michigan, one was in Mississippi, and then the one was in New Mexico. Right. Being from L.A., New Mexico was the obvious choice. So I made it out there. My friend didn't. And so I'm like, well, screw you. I'm going to go anyway. So I went out there oh, yeah. and took the courses for professional golf management. At that time, my handicap was right at an 8 to 10. It wasn't great. But, it was, yeah, it's better than the average bear for sure with room for improvement. Sure. So. I'm taking the courses, I'm doing this and that, and I'm realizing I don't have an analytical brain on me. I can't pass economics. I can't do accounting. Mm-hmm. Just for some reason, I couldn't do it. My dad's an accountant. I couldn't do it. Sure, sure. And that was part of the courses because a professional golf management means you're going to be running a pro shop, not just give lessons. Right. It doesn't mean you're automatically going to be playing every Sunday in the, on the PGA. Sure, absolutely In fact, not. it's the absolute opposite of that. Right. But it gives you an opportunity to play for that if you can make it. Absolutely. Like my friend made so I just said, you know, listen, this isn't really what I want to do, but there was a, a broadcast program on campus, which I was very fortunate just to transfer over into that. Because I, like, I like radio, let's do radio. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting a broadcast degree from New Mexico State University. My first gig wasn't radio. Uh-huh. It was a TV station in El Paso, and I was a photographer for the station. Okay. So I got to go run around the station or the city of uh, the lovely El Paso, Texas, <laughs> and with a camera over my shoulder, right. interviewing people. Um, I shot the news. I wrote the news. I edited the news. I was never on the news, but I did everything right, else you could do. You did all the, the heavy right. lifting. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I got to meet the governor who was Bush at the time. Right. They flew me out to Austin for a special thing. It was really kind of a neat job. So you weren't the pretty face behind the camera. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I was the pretty face behind the camera. It's not in front of it. Behind the camera, right? Right. It's just when you're in front of it, that's someone else's judgment exactly, if you're pretty right. or not. Um, yeah, I didn't like news. News was it was a horrible experience to the point of of what you had to cover, okay? Mm-hmm. You know how news works. Yeah. So, you know, I'm right out of college. I get this gig. I mean, I graduated in December. In January, I'm working in El Paso. And the action part of the job was fun. You know, hey, there's a breaking news. Got to go grab the van and drive over there, get some photo, do a live right. shot, whatever it is. That's exciting. That's, that's fun. But when you're going, you know, to, to a house of a lady who lost her son in a hit and run, yeah, and you got to go into their house, and you got to light it up with the cameras and mic checker and this and that, and and you hear this woman, this oh man, it's so so sad, you know what's yeah. going on, and then you know, and then the next story, five minutes later, you're at you know the the zoo with the children. I mean, it's really weird, that up and down and this forth, e- right, emotional roller coaster yeah. is what it is, and I never <laughs> dug that. I mean, the, the real quick, the the reason why I quit this job, there was a big storm, it was a flood, it happens every like twenty years. And this car, his mom and his son got swept away, and they died. And we had to do an on-site, like right by the area, the, yeah. the live shot, right? Right, right, right. Um, mud everywhere, rain. I mean, it was, just a, it was a hectic thing. You know, the video shoot went well. In fact, we all went to Applebee's right afterwards. Right, right. The video <laughs> show was great. But, well, but you know what I'm saying? That's, yeah, that's the yeah. dichotomy of news, you know? Exactly. It's like it's not, a, it's not 
forget the emotional stuff when you're watching news. It's not right. about that at all. It's not. A, it's you got to be there first. It's yeah. The, the job was well, well done. We know the back end of, of right. media, how it right. works, and you know most people don't realize no. what somebody has to go through to get the story. Right, right, and how much you can lose your yeah. job for not being there first. Yeah, that's very true. So right. real quick, so the story went well as aesthetics go. Right, um, right. Two people lost their life, but here we're at Applebee celebrating we had a great a, shot. A, right. Great shot. A right. great live. Um, you know, events, I guess you can say. We went out there, we did it well, everything went well. The broadcast was fantastic. I had to go cover it about a week later, the funeral. Okay, and I never done this oh. before. So they wanted to do a follow-up on the story. And the guy, the reporter was with me, he goes, all right, so... Um, did you ever get punched in the face? Did I? Yeah. Well, this is... Well, we're getting close to this one. <laughs> okay, come on. <laughs> <laughs> because... Uh, um, so, I, I, so the guy, the reporter goes, all right, go in there and just get some shots. I'm like, right. Really? He's like, yeah, go in there and get some shots. I'm like, I mean, I'm green. I'm just started. This. Oh, right, I'm like, right, right, right. Okay, um, okay. So I get in there and I get the camera and I'm kind of getting ready to set up and everything. And this guy comes up. He goes, "What are you doing in here? Yeah, get out of here." I mean, I can't tell you. I feel I'm getting feeling crappy right now just telling the yeah. saying that story. It was the worst feeling I ever felt as a human being to Awful. to to try Awful. to get that feeling or try to get that shot <laughs> in a funeral. Where you have no right to be. I mean, right. it really had no right to be at all. And to get it, I mean, I felt worse than, you know, less than gum on a shoe. I mean, it was really a, a crappy right. feeling. And that was what turned me off. And that was what really turned me off. And I said, you know what? Where are you? What, what, what time in your life was this? I was 24. 20, okay. I was getting probably 25 at the time. It was 2000. It was, 2000. It was uh, 1995. So this is av- okay. Now we're I've, after the broadcast. You're after the broadcast degree. You're yes, yeah, this, about six first, months after. Okay, yeah, right. that. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to keep the timeline on this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Graduated in '94, December and January of '95. That's when it began. I lasted nine months. Right. right. <laughs> I stayed nine months before yep. I got the hell out of that place. I had to drive 45 miles each way to work anyway. I was not going to live in El Paso. That was not on my radar. Well, so, you know, where, where <laughs> you started in the business, it's like, okay, you've got the, you've got the film uh, Tragic Events. You've got the setup shop in, you know, at, at funerals. Yeah, but you also get fun stuff, too. I, no, yeah, absolutely. There's <laughs> the fun stuff, but there is that dichotomy right. that – it's, you know, I could see how that could blow your mind and yeah. turn you right off. Especially being that age, you yeah, know. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, the most important thing about the little micro tornado that hit the trailer park was that we weren't there first, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's just. <laughs> That's awful. Right. But did I ever get punched? No. I always, in fact, when I saw other reporters run for the story, I walked. Right. Okay. I just said, screw it. I'm not that kind of person. And I always hated tabloid. I always hated mm. the, the paparazzi style thing. Um, I'm. You know, I'm kind of anti-authoritarian to a certain degree when it comes to, you know, go cover that. And then I'd be like, why? (laughs) You you don't question your news director of what to cover. You just go cover it. Exactly. But I would question it because I'd be like, that's not newsworthy, (laughs) you know, or, but that's, news is a whole different beast. And I wish people would stay away from watching local news. All right. I'll just say it right now. This will be my personal feeling. It's it's, a lot of bad news. It's it's, it's a lot of bad news. And it's, then it's, you know, followed up by what a beautiful sunset here. And, you know, and then it's, you know, so it's a really bizarre, no wonder why you need Prozac to watch the news. (laughs) You know, it's crazy. I I really recommend people not watch it because All right, let's get into comedy. Okay. (laughs) Comedy. You're you're lighting this up a little. Right. Let's, Let's uh, do, uh, go totally 180. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedy, man. You know, uh, Laugh Factory. Well, I mean, well, let's get uh, – basically, yeah, the comedy started a little bit later on because when I left 
in you know, Las Cruces area, New Mexico and El Paso, I moved to Phoenix and I was bartending and not getting into radio. And I finally jumped into uh, sports radio. Mm-hmm. So I did that first. So I did sports radio. Then I ended up moving on to a sports comedy show. So uh, the ESPN KTAR station was my hockey show. Okay. I did that for once a week with a Stanley Cup winner, Brent Severin from the Dallas Stars. Nice. He'd call up from Dallas at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night. I'd be here doing my show, and we'd talk hockey once a week. Hockey Night in Phoenix was the name of the show. Covered the Coyotes in half of 12 years. Nice. And I uh, moved on to doing a comedy sports show with a few comedians. So I started like, hanging out with the comics. We're talking about um, the hot dog eating contest, right? And you know, but this is at News Talk 1010, which down the hall is a AM heavy religious station. Okay, right. So right. I running everything. I'm in the in the control room. You know, like normally see radio. There's a guy in the studio and there's a guy in the control room. Yep. No, we did the show in the control room because I had to run everything. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this reverend was in the room across from us. He's holding his Bible high in the air, doing his thing. We can't hear him, but he's right, doing his right, thing. Right. You know what he's doing. And we're talking to a woman about how many hot dogs she can shove in her mouth. <laughs> that was pretty much. I, I'm getting flashes of the Howard Stern movie. Here. Yeah, okay. right. It was very bizarre. So, yeah. but that got me connected with the comedians and hanging out with them. And then for a little while, I started just, you know, I have material. I'm on the. I've been on the radio, sure. and when you do radio and you're very spontaneous, jokes will come out regardless. So, sure. if you remember them, if they're if they're stage worthy, is another story. You you can use that. So mm-hmm. I've would always help my friend tag their jokes. Sure. I always gave them great tags, too. You know, oh, you should do that, you should do that, you should do that. And then I come up with my own stuff. And this was back around 2004, 2005, when I'm at All Comedy Radio now. I'm doing mornings. I'm interviewing Richard Lewis. I'm interviewing uh, David Tell, uh, uh, Louis C.K. I mean, you name the biggest ones, the ones that are at the uh, Tempe Improv, sure. I interviewed them. And it was a wonderful year, and it was a wonderful uh, – People, the people, me, the comedians, get to know them, get to learn them a little sure. bit, was very influential for me because I never treated him as a comic. I treated him as a person who does comedy. Sure. And that's sure. important when you're dealing that, when you're doing it with radio, and they appreciate that too. Sure. They don't want to be put on, you know, like, like a monkey. You don't want right, to, you know, right. shine for me, monkey, you know, dance for me, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, Frank Caliendo was the only one who actually did that. <laughs> He's like, I love to do it. I love to do it. So, obviously, getting in front of a crowd is not something you're afraid of. Uh, well, oh, well, I was. Absolutely, okay, man. Right. Absolutely. Because in 2000. Yeah, because in 2008, after doing all comedy radio and doing my own show for a couple of years, I finally got the courage to do it. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I, five minutes, I wrote my, my, uh, my stuff down. I got up on stage. I didn't even like hear any laughter. I didn't hear any clapping. I heard nothing. Silence, I just right. because I was so focused on saying my five minutes. You know, it was I didn't care about anything else. You right, know, I wasn't. Right. In the, I was not in the moment. You just get up there and do it. And another thing, when you go from radio to stage, radio, you're behind the mic. No one sees you. It's great. You know, you could be in your underwear. It doesn't matter. When you're on stage, you know, people look at you. They're sure. waiting for you to be funny. So that took a while for me to accept right, right. on stage to get used to that up. stare. Yeah. And, and, and then so, I mean, from 2008 to about 2014 maybe, even 15, I would say, it was still uncomfortable for me to be on stage. Well, I, I can imagine you're constantly learning. It's, you know, yeah, absolutely. new experiences. Right. You know, you get advice from, you know, I'd imagine you've met many uh, comedians. Uh, so, I mean, getting different vi- advice from Guys that have been through more and have, you know, well, you know, the time in the business. Yeah, well, you ask them during the, their questioning. That's how I kind of get my advice. Right. You know, I always kind of, you know, try to peel a different onion layer that hasn't been peeled. Sure. C- considering I've been on stage, I have that experience now. I can ask them from from where I'm coming from. Um, I had one comic actually tell me 
uh, give me some advice though, outside of the radio. This was um, uh, Dennis. Um, uh, what's it? He's got his brother. God, oh, all right. Anyway, his, his Miller Regan, Dennis oh, Regan. Regan. You, do you know uh, Brian Regan? I'm sure you're familiar with that very famous comedian. It's his brother. Uh, no, I know the name. Who who writes for King of Queens? Oh, okay, yeah, and, yes, yes. and a few other comedians. A very you know well well known writer. Sure. So I had him on my show, and I couldn't find any information. This is 2005. You know, I didn't. I just couldn't find anything on him. Right. And so I'm like, I was lost in the interview, and I told him, Hey, can you just tell a joke? And it just didn't. It didn't fly well. It died right away. Right. <laughs> and I got nervous. I'm, what do I do? What do I do? So, <laughs> so he could, so I get a call later on that day. And mind you, I'm doing a morning show on All Comedy Radio. I get a phone call on 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Hey, Kevin, this is uh, Dennis Regan. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, hey, listen, you know, I, you seem like a really cool guy, a really nice guy, but I just want to just throw some advice to you just so you know, just down the road. Um, you should really never ask a comedian to tell a joke for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> but, I mean, I thought it was really interesting that he would do that. You know, I thought that was yeah. very fascinating that he, I mean, he took the time because I guess apparently he, like, had a good time with me. Sure. He enjoyed my company sure, enough right. to do that. Which, which means a lot. I mean, I, I, I take that as a very big lesson. For sure. As well as a compliment as well. You know, well, the, sure. nice, the nice thing, too, is here's a veteran that's yeah. will, willing to help somebody that's newer in the industry. Right, because all comedy radio, the morning gig I was doing was pretty much my first Monday through Friday gig. I mean, it was my first, you know, real AM, you know, morning right. job show, I mean, 6 to 10. I mean, that's, it was real. It was legit. I mean, sure. you know. And since we, we both have been on stage a lot through our different careers, do you still find to this day, I ask everybody this, when you walk out there on stage, you have a little butterflies? Yeah. Yeah, I do. But, you know. I, I think that's good. Yeah. That's why I ask that. Because you, to me, if you don't have them, you've lost some of your uh, passion for what you're doing. You yeah, know? of course. Because then it's this everyday thing now. It's just, uh, well, I was going to go up on it. I, I get up on stage. I get the little butterflies. But I, I attack the stage now when I get up there. I attack it knowing that it's, it's my stage. And they're there to listen to me. Not to say that they're there for me, but they're there to listen to <laughs> someone on stage who knows what they're doing, who looks like they know what they're doing, because that's very important as well. Sure. If you're showing weak body language, then the audience is going to pick that up. Your material is probably not going to come out. So what I've learned over the last few years is telling the joke as I'm telling you the joke, you know, as I'm telling my friend the joke. That's how I got to approach it to the crowd. That one-on-one -on -one kind of thing. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I always pick somebody on the left, somebody in the middle, and somebody way on the right and take turns and shooting take turns that back eye, and around. eye contact. But I wanted people in the very back because right. that allowed me to go over the heads of the whole audience. And, and they're not going to know people. anyway because right. I mean, not, they're not going to see your eyes on right. them. Listen, right. I want to, before, we only have a, a few minutes left, so I want to talk about going global with gas. Um, yes. This is your show that you've been doing now for, what, eight months? Well, yeah, it kind of has a... It started in 2015, and it ran for about a year, then the hiatus, and we brought it back again since basically the beginning of February. And it's a two-hour show on Saturdays right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. And uh, it's, it's kind of my venting, you know. It's, it's aired out with gas, man, you know. It's just, <laughs> I have two hours, and the first hour, well, the first two hours used to be just music, independent artists, and we play games, we talk drugs, we play porn. <laughs> I, I can explain that later, but, um, <laughs> but we have a lot of fun. It's just the week in review and what, it, and what have you, local music artists, and we play tunes. But now I changed that all just the first hour, and then the second hour I've changed into my other show called Aliens with Gas. It's the extraterrestrial rock show. Nice. And we talk aliens and UFOs and everything unknown. And it's a really fun show. It's with 
comedy, humor, insight. We play songs that have alien themes to them from big famous bands and even local artists, and we'll discuss more when we come back. Absolutely. All right, well, listen, uh, we are going to take a break now. Thanks for listening to Finding Your Frequency. Uh, we'll be back, so follow us on social media, on Twitter at Jeff Spinney 2 at Radio Ryan 1, and check us out on Facebook at Finding Your Frequency Net. We'll be back with Alejandro Rojas in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash VA health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get better help today at betterhelp.com forward slash VA health. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. You're tuned into Finding Your Frequency with hosts Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. Connect with the show. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. And welcome back to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Jeff Spinard. And I'm your guest co-host, John Missile. Very nice. And we also have Mr. Kevin Gassman still with us. Hello. Hello, hello. All right. Coming up next, we have Mr. Alejandro Rojas. He is the host for Open Minds UFO Radio, editor and contributor, contributing writer for Open Minds Magazine and OpenMinds.tv, and MC for the International UFO Congress. He is also a blogger for the Huffington Post, 
For several years, Alejandro was the official spokesperson for the Mutual UFO Network as the director of public education. As a UFO paranormal researcher and journalist, Alejandro has spent many hours in the field investigating anomalies, phenomena up close and personal. Alejandro has been interviewed by media organizations around the world, including the largest cable and network news agencies with regular appearances on Coast to Coast AM. He has been featured on the Travel Channel, Sci-Fi, National Geographic, and E. Alejandro, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be here. It's good to have you. You know, you got a lot of accolades, a lot of good stuff going on here. I need to know a little bit of your history, my friend. Yeah, I keep super, super busy. So, um, I, in fact, do UFOs full-time, essentially, with running the UFO Congress uh, that you mentioned, and that's right here in the Phoenix area. And then at openminds.tv, we post UFO news daily. Very cool. So how did you get? How, how did this? All, how did this all happen? Were you how abducted? How did I get into it? I was not abducted. In fact, <laughs> I hadn't seen anything uh, abnormal until many years into this. So it really was. I was kind of a skeptic. I had these two sides to me. I was I was in school in high school, and when I began college, I was into math and science. But I thought this stuff was interesting. And my background is, uh, you know, I'm Mexican, but also with some Native American, and it was like. You know, they believe in, in a lot of mysterious stuff. So I was still open to that. And uh, so I always pondered it. I would watch the shows. But then in 2001, there was a gentleman who brought a lot of credible people, people with the FAA, people in, in the government and military, to Washington, D.C., to the National Press Club. Tons of media was there. And by this time, I had actually changed to a, a journalist journalism major. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't covered. So even though there are tons of cameras, there was a little piece on CNN, and that was it. And I used to go to conferences and stuff, and I would ask the journalists, you know, what do you think of this topic? Why don't you really cover it much? And they said, you know, if something new and interesting happened, we would. And that was new and interesting, and it should have been covered. And at that time, it was kind of like Close Encounters with Richard Dreyfus. I just, like, you know, immersed myself in all of the information and everything. And when I emerged... Uh, I joined this group, Mutual UFO Network, that is the largest in the country investigating this stuff. Luckily, the headquarters was where I lived at the time in uh, in a suburb of Denver, and I just got heavily involved. I did some field investigating. Uh, like you mentioned, I got involved with their headquarters and became uh, doing PR and their, their press person, and, uh, and we got so much press. Luckily, you know, I, I – my – goal is always to interface with mainstream press or, or people out there who are not into UFOs Sure, uh, to bring the credible information to the people and try to answer some questions they may have. And uh, so we had a lot of success with that. There was a lot of interest, surprisingly, even for credible information. And uh, so it's been a lot of fun. Sure. sure. As a, I mean, I got to say, even growing up, um, I, I was always, my thought process was, we're not alone in this world. How can we be the only species in a galaxy that's so big, but very small for what we know, is apparently? Mm-hmm. But I've always thought, you know, what is out there? So as a, you know, pa- uh, a UFO and paranormal researcher, 
Um, you know, what's some of the stuff you've come across that, you know, would uh, you know tell us that there is something else going on? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, what's interesting uh, along those lines of what you're talking about is that when I got into this, you know, the movie Contact was in the 90s, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, which is all scientists, was made fun of. They were kind of fringe. They were weird. But these days, they're so popular. You know, NASA, when they talk about anything, it's typically about looking for life or searching sure. for life and being on the cusp of discovering life. So there's been a real change in the paradigm and how we think of all of this. But along those lines, it really has opened up a lot of scientists and, and uh, you know, even government officials and such in the background uh, to this topic. And, and they've looked more into some of the credible cases because I have found um, and, you, you know, you can see some of these cases on, on the TV shows that are out there. Some of the good ones still aren't covered. But you do find, for instance, military situations where the military really didn't know what was going on. And they kind of closed the case as an unknown. We don't know what the heck happened. Um, and really, when you look into it, the military wasn't so black and white about this topic and never has been. Even though publicly they say, oh, we don't look into this stuff. We don't think there's anything to it. We stopped looking into it in 1969. You do find in the record cases that they label as UFOs that they just essentially don't ever come to a conclusion to. And then some of these people, when you're lucky, some of these military guys come out of the military and talk about those cases and their involvement with some of these situations. And, uh, and of course, they're very credible. And, and they're, they just leave you scratching your head thinking, you know, what the heck uh, did these people see? Typically, they see something, sure. you know, that looks like it's some sort of technology that is beyond what we would be capable of right. creating. Hey, Alejandro. Um, so, you know, remember like all the military bases, you, you know the story about Molstrom, right? Up in uh, Montana. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we just talked about that on our show a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. And this is about UFO sighting on the base that actually disabled nuclear weapons really on the base mm-hmm. as reported by military wow. men and the question is you know when you discredit people for visualizing of ufo or seeing these things you're discrediting your own military men so are you hiring Absolutely. you're either discrediting them or you're hiring crazy people what's the co- <laughs> what what is the cover up i mean area 51 i mean there's so much out there that you know is Hard to dispute and, uh, you know, should be accredited, yet, you know, the government won't tell you anything or you can't know. The, why is that? Why, why, why do you think they're not open? I think it, it's pretty simple because if you just put yourself in their shoes, let's say, you, you know, you have something happened like over a nuclear facility and there are these cases and they do get escalated. We did a video not too long ago that, that people could watch and how the government military escalates these these cases to and they go straight to the top. They flag them with a code word and um, and then they go straight to the top at, to be investigated, especially these ones that happen at nuclear facilities. And um but think of having to tell the public something flew over a sensitive airspace we didn't know and we don't know what it was. Right. You can't tell the public that. You know, you just you 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 got to either say we do know it, what it was or it was something mundane, but you got to give them the idea yeah, that you have that. control of the situation. So I think that's simply why they they would not 
you know, just outwardly say, oh, yeah, these things were flying around and, and we didn't know what they were. Right. They might have turned off our nukes, but, you know, <laughs> those silly things, you know. And, and there is this sense that although uh, there there does seem to be – because a lot of the quotes you hear are it, it's not of national defense concern. And there are arguments. In fact, the government of Chile, which has an official UFO investigation organization, came to the conclusion that there is a third party. There's some sort of intelligence behind these things, but it doesn't seem to be hostile. It's not hurting us. It's not overtly attacking. And you do hear this phrase uh, of no uh, national defense significance. And, And it's kind of this idea that you know, it's not a threat. It doesn't appear to be a threat, and a lot of people have come to that conclusion. Sure. Alejandro, do you think, uh, this is John, do you think that uh, they still keep that 50s mentality that, or even the early 60s mentality that if they actually disclosed all of this to the public, that the, the public would uh, freak out, go into a panic because that that's, was always the different reasons. Like when they seal certain files and they, they want a generation mm-hmm. to die before they – and because they think the newer ones will mature faster and be able to accept it more. Do you think a lot of that is that? Is, it's is those really reasons? hard to say. And the reason mm. it's hard to say is because we don't know for sure what they know. Uh, we do know that they that many believe in the military, believe there is a phenomenon, that there is a, a mystery here. Um, but we don't know beyond that what for certain they do know. Have they recovered craft? Have they recovered bodies? Do they know of situations where uh, there just have been downed or people have been abducted and disappeared? Do they know some of that stuff? Um, so it all depends on what they know. A lot of people, like like the rock star from Blink-182, Tom DeLong, he feels right now that he's got some inside information. And he says... He thinks that they know some pretty scary stuff. He hasn't necessarily said exactly what, but that that's why they keep it secret because it's really scary stuff. And let's let's say they do know. Let's say they do know that people are being picked up once in a while and they're never seen again. That's some really scary stuff. And you wouldn't necessarily want to just release that to the public. So right. if that's what they know, you know, all the way from something flying around that we don't know what it, what it is to you know, something taking people and, and then they're gone for good. Right. None of that is something that you would really want to share with the public. I guess, uh, I guess you're not going to spread that out. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to bring on, uh, uh, it's actually Kevin's co-host, yes. uh, Heidi Gad. Heidi, yeah. welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? It's going fantastic. <laughs> What's up, Heidi? Hi. So let me, hey, let, me hey. let me set this up real quick. Um, I met Heidi a couple years ago and found out she runs a page on Facebook, Extraterrestrials Among Us. Beautiful. And sure. I was like, hey, we got to talk great. You know, use my the radio show for the for the hours. And she was down with it. And I really dig the message we were doing with the show. And she connected me with Alejandro. And uh, and it's just a great uh, it's a great combo. We work together really well talking about uh, the world of UFOs. I got a question for Heidi. Um, okay. I heard somewhere along the line. I don't remember where it was, but it seemed like. It was a pretty credible type scenario, but uh, I hear there's two types of aliens that walk among us. Uh, one is like a reptile, and the other is I don't what, don't remember what the other one is a gray type. But Nordic probably. Okay, I would guess. Can yeah, the you Nordic speak a little bit gray. on that? That's the theory. <laughs> is that what? Is it two types? I mean, what? What's the well, story? Well, there's actually theories that there's a lot of different kinds and species of aliens walking among us okay. or extraterrestrials walking among us 
and who's to know, you know, like these are all these people that have either witnessed it or, you know, for whatever reason, believe that what they've seen is what they've seen. So are they just really good at hiding? Can they take the form of uh, us humans? You always think I of mean, men in black. What's going I always on, think of know? like the, the <laughs> human skins hey, of men in black. Right. I think there's a couple in my morning commute in here. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have one working for us. I'm not going to tell you who, though. <laughs> we, we Any do. of us could be an extraterrestrial. Yes. And not know it, right. Exactly. I mean, they, they're saying oh, that certain... Gee, no, I didn't think of that. Well, that's the thing. Or uh, are we all extraterrestrials? Because there's a theory that, you know, we... They changed our DNA to get us to where we are right now in our evolutionary path. So okay. are we all an extraterrestrial? I don't know. That is the question. I'm guessing we are. I'm guessing we are to people on other planets. <laughs> and I, I want to ask Alejandro on this, too, because we did a story on Lloyd Pye, Everything You Know is Wrong. It's all about evolution and the missing link and how there is no connection between primates and humans. And the difference of the DNA is what, Alejandro, like less than like 0.5%? It is small. Um, yeah. However, you know, there has been some work on Lloyd Pye's work that has kind of uh, unfortunately, yeah, that, uh, you know, there's been more analysis of the DNA and that the DNA is, is definitely human. And these are people who are uh, more friendly to the idea that, you know, it might be something else. In fact, practically really looking for something like that. But uh, unfortunately, Lloyd Pye's information didn't um, uh, indicate that. <laughs> but, you know, getting back to kind of what Heidi was talking about. You know, we all kind of make fun and make light of this idea of alien abduction. But what's interesting, and I think what the public doesn't know, are there are like hundreds of thousands of people that believe that they've had these sorts of experiences. I mean, there are yeah. lots and hundreds lots and lots of these people. And, uh, you know, if you come to a conference like ours, you would you would find that out. Now, that idea is even still a little kind of wild for me, but... Um, there are some cases of people claiming to have some sort of interaction with, uh, you know, these sorts of entities or even being taken aboard that that are very, very credible. One of them right here in Arizona, Travis Walton, he was with a bunch of his uh, colleagues. They were lumberjacks back in the 70s. Yep. They saw this craft in the forest. You know, Travis himself got beamed and they thought he was dead. So they took off. He was gone. There was a huge manhunt for him. Uh, he came back five days later. By the cops started to think that his his colleagues, his coworkers, killed him. Right. But he came back and he has these memories of being on board this craft and stuff like this. Not like the movie. There's a movie, Fire in the Sky, about this. But something even more interesting. We got a free, a presentation on our YouTube page for free. People could go watch and see what he says he feels actually happened. Uh, there's another case with these these several guys in Maine where they saw a UFO a couple times, a big, bright orb, actually. One time they saw it uh, across the river from them. They flashed a light at it, which they immediately decided was a bad idea because this thing started <laughs> coming towards them. Yeah. Uh, years later, two of them, they're twins, they, they start to have these nightmares associated with like uh, some physical trauma that one of them had experienced right. really made this all start up uh, again. Uh, they were regressed by a Harvard professor who is it was a psychologist, uh, John Mack, and some of his colleagues, and they had 
similar memories of being taken aboard in these weird creatures and there were details about the the physiology of these creatures that was similar across all of their memories. Uh, Another super very – there's one gentleman who didn't remember being taken aboard at any craft or anything like that. And so he's kind of doubtful of what the other guys have to say, although – uh, he's open to it, but he sure. he does remember seeing the craft. He remembers, you know, this huge giant orb coming towards them, and uh, he just remembers it flying away after it got close to them. So, yeah, there are these cases out there yeah. where that just are baffling. Yeah, absolutely. I was watching Netflix uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there was a story. I forget the. I wish I could remember. My memory sucks nowadays, but. Uh, I wish I could remember, but it was was like this documentary, true story, this guy who is... Stan Romanek? Oh, say it again? Is it the Stan Romanek story? Yes, it is. There it is there. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And Heidi, what do you think of that? uh, What do you think of that documentary? Um, I wanted to believe that that guy had really had all those experiences, but yep. it kind of seems like he might have just made it up just to see if people were going to go for it, okay. which is disappointing to me personally. But it was entertaining I, to watch, except yeah, when I that. saw... <laughs> you made that? <laughs> no, I'm in the documentary. Oh, you are? Okay. All right. Yeah. Me, Alejandro Rojas. <laughs> <laughs> For goodness sake, imagine that. See that? Uh, what I didn't I, like was the the uh, alien in the window that kind of just, you know, floated down and floated up. I thought that was a little silly, but I really enjoyed the uh, the story itself, and I'm curious. Yeah, this, that's it. The issue with Stan, Stan unfortunately, because I knew him and his family very well, okay. is he? it seems like he has some videos that he took early on, and they're very credible. Multiple witnesses. In one case, others took video of this thing as yeah, it flew over a park. Said, right. Yeah, great, great case. But, you know, there's a, there's a researcher called Ben Hansen, and he has created this term legendizing for something that happens in the paranormal field where someone has a genuine experience. They share it with people, and then they get, like, this following and it's almost like a cult following. You get all of these people that are so fascinated and you become kind of like a, a superstar and that people seem to sometimes uh, want to keep that stardom rolling and sure. they start to create stuff because he's I've caught him in things. He, he's oh. lied. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and unfortunately, I think it's to keep this attention that he craves from uh, his yeah. first genuine sure. experiences. Well, there's a lot of a lot of misinformation out there as well. I mean, you have to sift through the BS where people's telling you their story, like Billy Woodward talking about Hollow Earth and very detailed stories, but you got to think this guy's just got a wild imagination. You know, how far do you go to believe right. him? I'll take any, I'll, I'll believe you because that's what you want to tell me, fine, but I can also say uh, you're full of it too. Yeah. You know, uh, now that's what I like about Alejandro and Heidi, both of us. It's like, we'll call out the BS. We don't, like, like Heidi said, we don't right. want it to be BS, but you, know, exactly. you, you have to. Because otherwise, you will be crazy if you believe everything. <laughs> it's got to be accredited. You can't just throw anything out there because you know people want right. Fa- show me something. Show me. I'll tell show. you. This is my my belief on aliens. I will believe in them until you can prove they don't exist. There you go. There you go. I yep. mean, again, I'll go back to saying exactly. that we're in a big galaxy. I, we can't be the only species, you know. On uh, well on the planet but <laughs> with aliens coming down and being a part of the planet right. walking amongst us and all that 
I have not well, seen one yet. So but much about science, we don't understand. Like sure. we don't even know all of the physics, and you know, maybe portals and time travel mm-hmm. are actually available to higher evolved species, and that's yeah. how they're getting here. Like, yeah, we can't be we, we can't be that total arrogance uh, to think that we're the only <laughs> living thing in a universe. But we are. Yeah, but we are, right. I was just going to say, <laughs> that's but the we problem. are. Right? Exactly. No, we are. I would say there are certain factions of our society yeah. that is. Absolutely. And unfortunately, they're the ones in control. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And, uh, and when it too. comes to science, especially space science, typically the findings we have, I mean, if you read the stories when it comes to science and the discoveries that they're having out there or physics, like theoretical physics and, and some of the discoveries of particles and things, a lot of them start with, you know, we never would have imagined this being the case. Right. It's just like with dark matter. We never would have imagined that the universe is actually expanding. We thought it was contracting. So we're completely baffled and cannot explain that. Rogue planets, planets that are just floating out there and they're not around suns. Right. They never expected anything like that. They never expected so many of the suns out there to have solar systems and planets that are in this Goldilocks zone, they call it, that are potentially habitable. I mean, every discovery, even science is making, is beyond what they could have comprehended they would have discovered. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Kevin. One one more thing. Uh, Do you think if we do find uh, intelligent life out there, will will we call them ALFs? You know, alien life form, I and mean, that's what they are. Uh-huh. I mean, we have UFOs, we have yeah. ALFs. I mean, we don't. We're sitting here in studio and writing little <laughs> notes to like each other, that, and you know. they might not like that. <laughs> yeah, don't once call me ALF. Watch the show. Yeah, <laughs> once they watch the show, they I might hate uh, that. Take, take issue. <laughs> well, it gives them a bad stereotype. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was my cousin. That was my cousin Bob. That was an ALF. <laughs> they love cats. <laughs> 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 oh, 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 here we go. It's That's great. So, Kevin. You and Heidi host a show, of course. Uh, we started talking about going global. With yes. Gas. Yeah. Um, let's uh, elaborate on the show a little bit. We got about uh, two minutes left. Yeah, real quick. Saturday is at 3 p.m. It's a two hour show right here on the VoiceAmerica.com variety channel. And we talk uh, the week, you know, whatever's going on in my mind, my stuff, my, you know, my jokes, if I'm going to test them out on the radio or play <laughs> games, interview bands and have them on and interview interesting guests as well. That's pretty much going global. And then the second hour from four to six, from four to five p.m., we uh, we go to uh, aliens. Is that does that say pot? Pacific time. Oh, Pacific time. <laughs> pot. Well, yeah, well, we talk pot too, by the way, because you know how can you not marijuana talk about hot topic? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I actually I did marijuana radio one time. Fifteen fifteen eighty a.m. in Colorado Springs, the very first station to flip to all marijuana talk radio. Driving wow. with gas. My old radio show was on there from ten to noon. Monday through Friday. Is that station still doing no, the No, they pulled the plug. Okay. <laughs> but that explains a lot. <laughs> hey, I left they, before they, they pulled the plug, all right? They smoked that station. They huh? said, you don't have gas man anymore? You guys are out of here. But the that thing I, got smoked. But real quick, on the Aliens with Gas show, I just want to mention that you know our message is important. It's not just for fun. It's not just sure. for goofing off. It's for trying to find out the answers. At least ponder them and question authority. Right. Question the, the things you're told. Because it's important that you need to know the truth. And... Being suppressed, that is just going to keep the matrix alive, and Agreed. we kind of keep that. We yeah. that's kind of the theme of the show. Agreed, Alejandro. We before give- we before we go, um, is there a website? Any information to get to you uh, for the for our audience? Definitely, openminds.tv, and there we. 
post UFO news on a daily basis. And then there you can also find our YouTube where we've got tons of like analysis and research and cool cases there. And then UFOcongress.com where you can go uh, see information about the International UFO Congress. It's at the Wikipa Resort. Okay. And we sell the place out. It's Excellent. just all packed full of people interested in this topic. So Alejandro, I want to thank you for being on the show. Kevin, thank you being on, for, for being on the show. Heidi, thank you. Uh, real yeah. quick, uh, you want to throw out a, uh, uh, your... Yeah, you, Aliens with Gas has two S's. Just search it and Google everything, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Okay, good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency today. We'll be back next week with Sharon Lecter, uh, 23 books, New York Times number one bestseller. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Jeff Spinney 2 at Radio Ryan one Check us out on Facebook at Finding Your Frequency Net. We'll see you next week.